Well, good morning. It is a privilege to be with you folks this morning here at Imprint. Uh, as Kyle said, we've uh, known one another for, I think, going on about six years now, and uh, somewhere in there, yeah. And uh, our families have uh, been able to, to grow close over the years. As such, uh, we've been praying for you uh, since before you even existed. Um, and so it's exciting this morning to be able to be with you and to join with you and know that God has been working um, for several years now in preparation for what he's going to be continuing to do uh, through Imprint Community Church here in this area. And so we're excited uh, for you and excited to be here uh, with you. I will also say that uh, having uh, been able to meet uh, Kyle back in Houston and attend church, and uh, I've had the opportunity and the privilege to sit under his teaching and to hear him preach and to hear him lead worship. So, um, you know, when you call in the second team, I'm just saying, don't, don't expect great things today. I've uh, got big, big shoes to fill, but you're, you're, you are blessed to have Kyle and Lindsay um, as leaders in your church and uh, could not be more um, just proud of what God is doing through them and, uh, and through you. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, as we're joining together this morning, we're already going to be continuing in our, in our series on John, and uh, we've come all the way through uh, to chapter 12, and I know a few weeks ago, and when we began this, uh, Kyle explained how to this point um, you've been hearing Jesus' ministry and now things slow way down. And so from chapter 12 on through the end of the book almost, uh, we're, we're at the Passion Week where we're approaching the cross. Um, the time has come. And so as we continue together this morning, we're going to see Jesus um, uh, looking forward to what's now very near and, uh, and how, he, how he is interacting with people as he's changing from his time of public ministry into now really a private ministry over the next few, uh, few days, and then obviously his uh, once-for-all-time ministry at the cross. And so this morning as we look at this, uh, I hope that as we go through our time this morning, we'll be able to answer the question about where do we see the glory of Christ revealed in his word in this passage. And through this this morning, I think we'll be able to find uh, the glory of Christ. In other words, the reason why he's worthy to be praised, why we worship him, why he is exalted and to be honored. Uh, and we'll see it in a, in a couple of ways in this passage. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to see it in his commitment, um, in, his, uh, in his character, and then his glory in his call this morning. So that's where we're headed. Uh, to begin, I want to just read through our passage this morning. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 27 uh, through 36. I'm actually going to, didn't ask permission to do this, I'm going to throw in the first part of 37 as well, just as a postlude. Um, but let's read this together, and then we'll spend some time digging into it. So Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had, a, it had thundered, and others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake not mine. Now is the judgment of this world, and now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And so the crowds answered him, we've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you, for a little while longer, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. 
So while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. And though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So in this passage, we, we see a, a few things, and as I said, we're going to walk through this together and see where do we see the glory of Christ in this passage. Uh, what is John showing us uh, about who Jesus is? And the first thing that we see there is, is Jesus, in verse t- uh, 27, uh, approaching again in his mind, bringing forward what he is about to face. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And so he's feeling the weight of the moment. And in this weight of the moment, he's going to reiterate his commitment to the purpose for which he has come, that the Father has sent him. And so it's important for us to remember for a moment that Jesus, although he was God in the flesh, 100% God and deity, we also need to remember that he was also 100% human. He was a human being. And sometimes I think when we face things and we consider how Jesus handled things, we think, yeah, but he was God. We sort of like give ourselves a pass, but in this moment, we see the humanity of Jesus. No one wants to die early. I don't think anyone wants to die early, and and especially in a horrible way, and this is what he's facing, and he knows this, and so his humanity is faced with, with what is coming, and it's something that he's known over time. He's referred to the idea of this hour or his hour throughout this passage. John talks about this throughout his gospel, whether it's at the very beginning at the wedding at Canaan when his mom says, hey, come help out. And he says, hey, my time hasn't come yet. Or whether it's when he goes up to the feast and he, he waits because his time has not yet come. He knows they're looking for him. So this idea of this hour, or his hour coming is now upon him. He's looking death in the face, basically. And his humanness, his humanity, feels the weight of that. And yet, As we look at this, John doesn't really give us the the Garden of Gethsemane story like we see in the other synoptics uh, where Jesus is praying and sweating drops of blood. But John deals with it here and, and, and shows us the struggle that Jesus had within. And yet when he sees this, when he is confronted with this, he reiterates and reaffirms his commitment. And it's something he's done throughout his ministry. He's been talking multiple times about the cross and how it's coming and what will happen and, and what he's going to be facing. And so as he's continually and consistently made this choice to continue towards the cross, whether it be in Luke 9 where he says that he, he sets his face towards Jerusalem, knowing that he's going up, uh, knowing that he's headed toward the cross, or when he's talking to Nicodemus back in John 3 and tells him that I, as, as Moses lifted the serpent, I, so the Son of Man needs to be lifted up. He's along the way, he has continued to, to have a, a pattern of commitment and, and saying yes to the Father. So now in this moment, as he's again feeling the weight of what he's about to go through, he answers his own question. What should I say? Father, remove this from me? Like, let me get out of this? No. This is the reason I came. This is the purpose that I came. And so he shows his resolve. It's one of the things that makes him glorified. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians that it was, it was Christ and setting aside his, his deity and coming in the flesh, but then becoming obedient even to death on a cross. That's the reason why God lifted him up and glorified him and set him above uh, all. So he, he, he has a resolve there. And so he finishes then by saying this, and it's, it's a prayer, Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. 
In this moment, Jesus is showing us that his commitment is to what his purpose and what his Father has sent him to do, what he has come to do. He cares more for the glory of the Father, that the the Father would be glorified and honored, and that his purposes would be uh, completed, his will would be done, than he cares for himself and what he's about to face. Hebrews says it this way, and Hebrews tells it, says that he he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? It was the redemption of souls. It was you and me coming to faith in him and, and receiving the gift of his sacrifice. So the glory of Christ is seen in his obedience here. At the beginning of this passage, his commitment to the purpose for which he was sent. And he's to be glorified because of his, his character in this. So for us, it begs a question. Knowing what Jesus was facing and his commitment to his purpose and what it meant to honor his father and to carry out what his father had for him to do, the question that it raises for us is what difficulty, first of all, has Christ brought us? What is it that we must endure? You know, Kyle mentioned a little bit ago about the gospel conversations, and he had told me that you guys were going to be doing that. Those, those can be kind of awkward sometimes, especially if you're not used to doing it. Having, having the, uh, the opportunity or taking the opportunity to stick yourself out there and risk a little bit to be able to share with someone the gospel or to, to, to bring up this whole concept of life and death and eternity and the weight of it all, that can be intimidating. And are we willing to step into that and risk that we may be rejected? So it might be something just as, as small as that, nothing that's really going to affect your life too much except for some time and maybe some, some awkwardness. Are we willing to be committed to that purpose? Or maybe it's something harder. Maybe God has, has brought something harder in your life. Maybe there's an illness or, or a job situation or, or something that, that is weighing on you. Will we continue to push through? And the bigger question is this, in the middle of that, will we be willing to endure whatever it is for the sake of his glory, like Jesus has modeled for us here? In other words, is your suffering a cause and an opportunity for worship? Is our suffering an opportunity for worship? You know, we, we, we've pro- probably or potentially heard uh, the, the scripture from Romans where it says that all things work together for the good of them that love God, right? But it goes on to say, and who are called according to his purpose. And the next verse tells us that his purpose, that all of those things are working together for, is that we would be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. And so in our life, we will face suffering. One of the reasons that Kyle and I are as close as we are, I consider him to be one of my, I have two best friends, okay? I know you, that doesn't make sense that you have two best, but I have two best friends. The other guy I've known for 20-something years, Kyle I've known for six but he's one of my best friends, and the reason is is because in the middle of my life in Houston, which was kind of uh, really difficult and hard, there was suffering there, he was one of the people that was there to, that God allowed to, to, to speak to me and minister to me, and we bonded through that. But the point of what I'm making of that is this. In that time and through those years, what I learned was that suffering is an opportunity for worship. And Jesus, in this moment where he's confronted with the suffering that's coming, chooses to glorify the Father and to worship Him, showing His commitment. That makes Him worthy of our worship, His commitment. So His commitment's worthy of that, and I would encourage us to all think about that and to to lean into the sufferings that we may have to endure for Christ. But it's not just His his commitment. It actually, that commitment then shows the glory of His character because He points us to the Father in this moment. Father, glorify Your name. 
And it says this. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel spoken. Jesus said, this is for your benefit, not mine, for your sake. So when he asks for God to glorify his name, God responds. And in this, the character of Christ is revealed as it points to the Father, and the Father's character is revealed. This is a, a, a response of grace. Jesus clearly says, look, this isn't for me. And it's just like a couple of chapters, or last chapter, when he raised Lazarus. We talked about that a few, few weeks ago. When he, lays, he raises Lazarus and he prays first, and he says, Father, I, I know this is not for my benefit. I know you hear me, but it's for their benefit. Jesus, in this moment, Again, is speaking not because he's doubting that God is there, that he's going, to, he's going to do this, but it's for the benefit of those around him, and God answers for their benefit. Now, some of them are not able to hear or understand what's happening. Uh, the voice says, I'm, I've glorified it, I'll glorify it again. How has he glorified it? Well, God has glorified his name through Jesus himself and through his ministry to this point. In fact, if we go back to John 1, we read what? That Christ came to show us the the glory of the Father, right? The nature, the character of the Father through grace and truth, that he was full of grace and truth in John 1.14. And here, that is what God has been doing to this point. He has been glorifying it through Jesus, through the way that he's reached out to those around him, the, the sick and the outcast, and he's touched those lives, and he's brought healing and life and vitality to these people. All this while, God has been glorifying himself through the person of Jesus. And Jesus has been pointing us to him. And now his death, which is to come, is where he will glorify it again, through his death on the cross. His death is not just going to bring physical vitality in life and restoration, but it's going to restore the relationship that we have with our Creator. Not just for these people immediately, but for all people. In fact, even those that you talked about last week, the Greeks. This is the moment, these are the moments in these, in these last few passages and verses of chapter 12 where the, the whole ministry of Jesus at the cross and the way that it opens the floodgates for, for everyone, that all may come in, right? We sang a little bit earlier. God is glorifying himself through Jesus and through what he's going to be doing. And the voice that he sends is for them to be benefited and to hear this. Jesus doesn't need it, but it comes that they might believe. Now, they still have a choice. In fact, over and over again throughout the Gospels, you hear Jesus saying or making the comment about those who have ears to hear, let them hear, right? And so there's a, there's a, a matter of spiritual, um, spiritually being in tune and, and having ears to hear. And so some who are here can't hear it. They hear something, but they don't understand it. They think it's thunder or something. Now, I live about two miles from APG. So this past week, there were some things going on where every once in a while there'd be a big boom and the, 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 the pictures on the wall would rattle a little bit as they're doing testing up there. And I had a friend who, who uh, commented, they live about uh, five, six, seven miles away, and they, they made a comment about on Facebook, is it, I'm trying to decide, is this thunder or is something going on at APG? So I imagine it might have been something like that. Something, it's obviously loud. It's, it's, it's loud enough that it makes a clear impression, but some aren't able to know. Now, some of them try to be a little more spiritual. Well, an, an angel has spoken to him. But it just underscores the fact that many of the ones who are there around him, who are Jewish leaders, they don't have ears to hear. And yet, even though they're lost in unbelief, as we see even in this passage, 
God continues to show grace because that's the character and nature of God. That's the character and nature of Jesus. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. And so Jesus then again points them to the truth. This voice has been here for your benefit, not mine. For your sake, not mine. Here's the truth of the matter. Now is the time of judgment on this world. And by the world, he means a couple of things. We can think of the world as a whole, but there's there's an idea that the world is those who are in control, those who are in power. And so the Jewish leaders themselves who have been denying him and fighting him and looking for ways to get rid of him all to this point, their time of judgment is coming. They have had an opportunity over and over again, and even God literally speaking now, to hear the truth and to to return and to repent and, and to believe, and yet they don't. And so the time of judgment has come for them Their role, their time is about to pass as the new church age comes in through Jesus Christ and through the the priesthood of all believers. What happens on the cross and how how that's brought to bear. But then he goes on to mention the enemy. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out? And that's clearly a reference to Satan. And he says how it's going to be done. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Now is the time, now is the hour where all of the unbelief of the world and all of the schemes of the enemy, all the things that have led us astray, that have caused us to rebel against God, that time is coming to an end by what I'm going to do. And so again, he lays it out and they they clearly get this. They understand what he's saying because it doesn't mesh with what they think and what they understand. And so they question him again, they doubt him again. Well, Jesus... uh, Who is this Son of Man? I mean, if you're the Messiah, and we've been exposed to that thought, you've been telling us that if you're the Messiah, if you're the Son of Man, that Daniel talked about and that Matthew uses all the time, if you're the Son of Man, the one who's to come, what do you mean that you're going to go to a cross or that you're going to die? They got the idea of being lifted up because we know, the law tells us, that the the Christ is going to live forever. He's going to reign forever and be there forever. Jesus, this doesn't make sense. You, you tell us one thing, and then you tell us something else, and how are we supposed to trust you? How are we supposed to believe in you? So they doubt him again. But Jesus reiterates to them, this is who I am, and this is why I've come. And so again, to bring this to ourselves, the question that I think that we, we need to ask ourselves is, how is God continuing to, sh- continuing to show us his grace? How does he continually show us his grace? In the midst of the things that we face each day and the trials and the the struggles and the questions and and the doubts, how is he continuing to show us his grace? One way is by being here and hearing the word of God and as you gather each week and, and remind yourselves of the gospel. That opportunity is a wonderful opportunity to receive the grace of God again, to hear his grace and his truth. But the question remains, do we take him at his word? Or are we like them? Do we listen to what Jesus says about who he is and what it means to follow him and what it means to walk in the light like he'll say in a moment? Or are we constantly questioning him? Well, Jesus, are you sure that's what you want me to do? Are you sure that that's what... Do I really have to give up these things in my life? Or do I, do I have to endure the hardships of, of being your disciple? Does it really have to be this difficult? Do I really have to put these things away and deny myself over here? Are you sure that's the way it has to be? Or, Jesus, are you sure that what you've done is enough? I mean, 
I, I, I know who I am. I know the ways I fail. I know the, the attitudes that I have. Are you sure there's not more I have to do? Can I really trust you that it's your grace and your mercy that redeems and changes me? So do we take him at his word or do we still seek to work it out ourselves? We're continually fighting him, questioning him. So we can find his glory and his commitment to what he's come to do and to the will of his father and obedience, which then shows us the character and nature of the father. There's another cause to glorify him because he's full of grace and truth. And Jesus is the embodiment of that to us. And then because he's full of grace and truth, even here again, even as they are doubting him, he doesn't respond to their doubts or their questions. He responds again with truth. He responds again with truth. He says this. It says he answers. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk in the light while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. And while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So again, we see a call to believe. And this is all, this is the whole purpose of why John wrote his gospel, right? That in knowing these things and hearing these stories and learning these signs about what Jesus has done, that we might believe. And here again, Jesus has been continually doing these things, telling people, I'm the light of the world. I'm, I'm the, sh- the good shepherd. I'm the bread of life. All of these things he's been laying out for them and talking to them about who he is and what it means to follow him and what it means to rest in him. Continually, and here again, he, he just meets resistance and lack of belief. And yet again, he, oh, he gives the call again. The light is with you still. While the light is here, believe. Because you're not going to have the light forever. Literally, it's going to be gone in a few days, folks. And so he, again, offers this call. While the light's here, walk in the light. Choose to follow me. Choose to believe that you may become sons of light. When it talks about the idea of being the son of something, it's, it's not just the idea of being a co-heir. Like we, we look back into Scripture and we understand the idea of being sons of God, sons and daughters of God, meaning that we are, we are the recipients, we have been adopted. But it's more than that. The idea of being the son of something for them meant that it was your identity and who you were. And so what I mean by that is if you could be a, a son of, of, I don't know, you could be a son of farming, you know, that's who you are. It's your identity. You're into that. You know all those things. It's your life. It's, your, it's the way you live and breathe. And so when Jesus says that if you will walk in the light and trust in me, then you will become sons of light. He's saying exactly what Paul's referring to that I mentioned earlier in Romans 8, 29. You will be conformed to his image. You are being made into the image of Christ. You are becoming sons of the light, just as he is the light of the world. In a little while, I'm going to be gone, he says. You only have the light with you a little bit longer. While it's still called today, while you still have this opportunity, trust in the light, believe in the light. Because the light's going to be taken from you. There's a, there's a time stamp on it. There's an expiration date for your opportunity to have me here. Now we know, looking back, that he's going to send... He's going to be resurrected. He's going to send the Spirit. And we have the Spirit of God who testifies to ours that we are children of God when we are in Christ. But they didn't know that. And immediately, 
they were literally going to lose the light for a while. And so sometimes I think that we, we kind of, from our period of looking backwards from today, we, we kind of look at these kinds of things and we, we just kind of glaze over it. But there's still a truth in this. The, the grace is that he ushers the call again. The truth is that there is a limited time, it's a limited time offer. And we should remember that even though we have the light and we have the, the possibility of having the Holy Spirit in us, the, Jesus not just with us, but in us, that there is an a expiration date on that opportunity as well. One day Jesus will return again and time will be no more and the opportunity for trusting and believing in him will be over. And so in the between, we have the choice to continue walking in darkness or to hear his call and respond and glorify him, honor him and worship him by giving him our trust, believing in him, resting in him. And so this morning, that's the big question. Will we, will we believe? I don't know where all of you are. I don't know you, so I don't have any idea. But I would not be surprised if there's some here who have not put their faith in Jesus. You have not yet believed. And so I would encourage you this morning, just as Jesus was telling them, the light will be with you for a while, and, and then, it, then, then the time is, the opportunity has passed, you have an opportunity, even today, to respond to this call, to place your faith and your hope in Him. The question is, will we believe? And for those who do believe, is He becoming your identity? Are you being conformed to His image? Are you resting in Him and trusting in Him and believing in Him in the ways that you walk? Are you walking in light? Are you continually being drawn and, and, and giving in to walking in darkness? Are you becoming sons of light through him? Are you receiving him by faith and, and walking in the ways that he's shown us? And so here, pointing back to the end here, the, the extra verse, we see that of what their response is. It says, though he had done, well, first it says that he, after this, he hid himself. In other words, they, they still weren't believing, so their time was cut even shorter. Because at this moment, the crowds are done until they come back to, to condemn and say crucify. Over the next few days, it's going to be spent with only his disciples, those who are close to him. So his public ministry is ending at this point in this. And it says, though he had done so many signs before them. Think of just the things that have happened in John. The wedding of Cana. The turning of water into wine, right? Healing, healing dead children, bringing them back to life. Multiplying bread, loaves and fish for thousands of people. Healing a man at a pool. Think of all the things that John has already shared with us that Jesus did in full view of these people. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Folks, again, we know all of the great things that Jesus did. We have, in some ways, we have less excuse than they did. So will we choose to believe? And by believing, will we walk in his light? Will we glorify him? Will we seek to lift him up? Knowing that he is good, that he is full of grace and truth. 
following his example, to be committed to the purpose for which he was called and that we have been called, that we might be conformed to his image and that we might share the gospel with those around us in the ways we live and we speak. This is our challenge this morning. Jesus has come that we might believe and be saved. And the call remains, will we, will we respond? Will we respond to believe in him for the first time? And will we respond daily to believe in him? Each day, each hour, each challenge, each, each, each thing that's a difficulty in us. Will our lives be lived in ways of worship to glorify him? So the character of Jesus is his obedience and grace. And he shows this through his commitment to his purpose and why he came. And it's received as we receive him and respond to his call. This morning, again, that's the gospel. And so for you, wherever you are in that, whether you've not yet believed or whether you've believed, but you need to continue to walk, choose to believe. Glorify his name. And he will glorify himself even through us, even through you this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for the good news of Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you were willing to go to a cross and suffer for us. That you were willing to give yourself and to trade uh, your comfort, your, your, uh, even your glory, to lay it aside as God and to become a servant, and a slave, and to become obedient even to death on a cross for us. Lord, may we hear your call this morning and be overwhelmed by your, your grace. May we choose again today to say, I believe. May we choose again to say, Lord, glorify your name through me. We ask this today. Amen.